Welcome. We are your hosts for Bitches Be Brave. This is Heather Hobbs. And this is Bev Steele. And together we are everyday working women trying to raise a family, succeed at our careers, stay fit and healthy, and still look hot. It's our hope to address the issues that we deal with every day and to bring you the knowledge and information from the top experts so that together we can truly thrive and experience wellness in all dimensions of life. And because we care, please remember the thoughts, comments, and advice of this podcast and our guests do not substitute medical advice and you should consult your doctor before starting any new program. And we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at bitchesbebrave at bitchesbebrave.com or visit our website, bitchesbebrave.com or Instagram at bitchesbebrave. Welcome to episode 39. Hi, Heather. Hello. Today, we are so excited. We interview Shannon Kaiser, who is a five-time author. And this topic today, I thought was just such a refreshing, encouraging, motivating topic about finding joy. Yep. I think it came at a great time. We believe we've been on a journey since January, talking about different issues, challenges, stories that we tell ourselves. And Shannon just has a beautiful way of laying it out and really saying, you know, how do you get to being authentic? Yes. And identifying, you know, are we looking for joy and happiness outside of ourselves or are we actually finding it within ourselves? And how do you kind of even decipher that? So I love this conversation. She was just such a warm and welcoming voice and has so much wisdom and so much insight. And I personally took so much away from this interview. I know we, we say that a lot about a lot of our guests, which we have had amazing guests, but there are definitely some that just talk right to your heart. And I think she was one of them. And you're going to love her and you're going to love her new book. We are fortunate enough to get it before it's been out. And it's also going to be out on Audible, which makes the ADD and me super happy. So here we here go. We go. Welcome. We are here today with Shannon Kaiser, who is the best-selling author of five books on the psychology of happiness and fulfillment, including the number one bestseller, The Self-Love Experiment and Adventures for Your Soul, and the new book coming October 29th that I'm so excited about that we'll talk about today, Joy Seeker, letting go of what's holding you back so you can live life that you're made for. As an international life coach, speaker, and retreat leader, she helps people trust and believe in themselves so they can live their highest potential. She's been named a top 100 women to watch in wellness by Mind Body Green and your go-to happiness booster by Health Magazine. She's also been recognized as a must-follow Instagram account for inspiration by Entrepreneur Magazine. And we are so excited to have you here, Shannon. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. I love all of what you guys are doing. And so this, this will be fun. Awesome. I would love you to just maybe start off and tell us, you know, your, a little of your journey, what brought you to writing your latest book, Joy Seeker. Yeah. So this year specifically is a very special year because it's my 10 year anniversary, if you will. It's, it's been a decade since I was diagnosed with clinical depression. At that time in my life in 2009, I was also suffocating silently from eating disorders, extreme self-hate and drug addiction. My relationships were really superficial and I was at a turning point in my life. And I went to the doctor. She diagnosed me with clinical depression 
And in that same moment um, at the doctor's office, I had a magazine article that said dogs, adopting dogs can help with depression. Mm -hmm. So in my inner heart was like, maybe that's the route for me. So I adopted a dog named Tucker. He was a golden retriever rescue and he, I feel, changed my life. And I left corporate, I left advertising, found my purpose as a writer, as a coach. I moved to a location I felt alive by. I found self-love. And then two years ago, Tucker actually passed away. And that was the turning point for me because I actually had built up this career, a very successful, fulfilling career as an author, as a coach, but I found myself in a depression, of course, because the grief was so intense. But what I realized is that I was still putting happiness and joy outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And I was, once Tucker left and passed on, I realized that I need to find joy within me. And that's really when the joy seeker journey, as I call it, the joy seeker book was birthed in that moment where I said, I have to find happiness within. Did you, um, did you seek help? So, I mean, I think, did you, like, how did you decide? So you decided I need to find joy within myself and not go outward. What helped you? Like, did you go and seek help otherwise? Or where did you kind of find the tools necessary to find the story? Within? <laughs> well, the first couple of weeks I stayed in the depression and just kept eating ice cream as I talk about in the book. <laughs> but I think we have to let ourselves be where we are in the grieving process because everyone grieves differently. And we don't always grieve the loss. Like if, if it's a family member or a pet that's passed on, sometimes it's changing careers. Sometimes it's letting go of who we think we need to be to become who we really feel we're meant in our heart to be. So grieving happens, I think, in lots of different ways. For me, I allowed myself to kind of be in that, but I didn't hang out too long only because I I knew my past, that depression was so catastrophic. And I also, I have the tools now as a coach and a writer. So I pulled myself out. One of the first things I did was I started to follow the nudges and one of my nudges led me to do more research. And I found an article, it was actually a research study done in the UK, maybe you've heard of it, but it's the top regrets of the dying. Mm -hmm. Number one regret is I wish I would have lived a life true to myself, not the one others expected of me. And when I read that, it changed everything for me because I was like, oh my gosh, not only if this is the number one regret of humans, that means I have to look at where I've been living for everyone else. And then I asked myself a pivotal question. I think the key to my journey and what I share in the joy seeker process is questions, whether you journal or whether you just allow yourself to go inward and ask yourself. Again, it's an internal process. So I asked myself, what have you always wanted to do, but have not given yourself permission to do? I think we should all ask ourselves this, and the key word is permission, because it's not what's blocking you, it's, it's about the permission to be the next level you. And my inner voice said, travel the world for full time. I was in a position in my life for over two decades, this was a dream in my heart, and it was interesting because I realized I set up a career and a life where I, I can be location independent, why am I not doing that? No reason, so I set out to do that. That's where the true joy kind of kicked in. Yeah. So we all have to suffer loss. I mean, that's a part of life. And I, I have said, you know, anytime somebody passes or a pet or anyone that you lose, it's a way of life, but it's always so hard and so shocking. Um, and I think that there is a part of, I'll speak for myself, that you just don't really know how long 
to grieve or, you know, what, what the process is because we as a society um, just kind of want to push it away and get busy with other things. So how would you, how maybe take us through the process of when you had the realization and how you came you you never lose that pain, right? And and you never want to because that's a great love. But how, can you take us through the process of what you would recommend when somebody does face a challenge like that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you kind of touched on it. It's very different for every single person. And some people process their pain by moving on really fast, and others, um, again, the 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 grief is always there. It's a love in our heart. It's that love. But other people, it's, it's a much longer journey, sometimes years and decades. So for me specifically, what I learned in, for me, my healing is writing. So I, I took to writing. I didn't even know it was going to turn into a book that's coming out soon, which I'm so thankful. But for for me, I recognized through my writing that the, the best way through grief or any trauma or pain is with courage, the courage to move forward, the courage to show up more fully than you did before. So I started to look at my life as what would Tucker want? You know, he was my kind of guardian angel at that point. And I used that as inspiration to fuel me forward. And there were still moments, even when I set out to travel the world for, for almost a whole year, I visited 18 cities, 28 or 18 countries and 28 cities. And there would be moments when I'd be in a city and I'd see another dog and I'd just get sad and that night I'd cry myself to sleep. That's part of the grieving process. But I allowed myself to be there and then I truly believe the courage to just keep going is what we need. But more importantly, the courage to say, now what? Now that this thing is not in my life in the way that it was, who can I be now? Who am I being called to to show up as? And it really is, honestly, Joy Seeker, the process in the book is all about authentic living. And that's where our authenticity comes in. It comes in to say, you know what? Something was removed from your life. So now there's a space for you to open up into new possibilities. I love how you talk about also how sometimes, you know, we just are, we, we listen to so much to the outside world. We listen to our parents and what they want for us. We listen to social media and what we think we should be doing at certain points in our life or by a certain age or, um, and I know, you, you know, you share about your mom, I think, and how she had said, you know, I want you to be married. I want you to have kids, like all these things. And, and you realized that that is what would bring her joy, but not necessarily your own joy. And I think, I mean, it's hard sometimes because we compare ourselves, right? And then we we compare ourselves and say, well, I'm not there, therefore I'm not achieving, therefore I probably am not fully where I should be and not happy. And so how do you separate that? Um, yes. Wishes for you. Such a big one. I, I realized that in order to find our joy and access our joy, we have to look at the main things blocking us and comparison is t- on the top, right? We just live in a society where it's easy to go to default to compare yourself. Someone's doing it better. They're prettier, smarter, richer, all of that. So we have to catch ourselves. And there's a couple ways that we can catch ourselves in comparison mode. And I did this myself and the, you nailed it. The first thing um, is to recognize a lot of times we have pressure within our own family or our own community. And what I realized is the pressure was them trying to put their joy onto me. So, you know, a father who's always asking about how's that job going, you get your promotion or a mom's who's like, when are you going to have a kid or a best friend who's like, Hey, let's do our trip together. And you're like, I just really don't want to do that. Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we have to just respect people where they are, but know that our joy is what brings us the most satisfaction. So we have to stop looking outside of ourselves and turn inward. That's the key. And ask yourself, because a lot of us, again, are living for other people. So we go along with other people's dreams, and then we find ourselves in a career that we don't like, a relationship that feels soulless, and we have to ask ourselves, wait a second, let's put ourselves back into the equation. Let's be part of our own life. So that's part one. Part two is when you see someone that you really keep comparing yourself to, a lot of times we get triggered. It's the same person or the same situation. Maybe someone who's farther in their career, maybe someone whose family looks perfect. And we have to ask ourselves, what is it about that that's revealing to me? If it didn't bother us, if we weren't jealous, it wouldn't be anything that we wanted for ourselves. So what you do is kind of hold up the energetic mirror, or as Glendon Doyle, the author says, you know, being jealous is like shining a huge flashlight or spotlight on what you want. It's showing you possibilities. So early in my career, I did that. I compared myself to a lot of other authors and I felt, oh, they have it and I don't, I suck, I'm unworthy. And it's so different now. When I see other authors, even my mentors and coaches who are like New York Times bestsellers, they're on Oprah, I'm like, yes, you go. Because one person lifted up is all of us lifting up. And when we send love to them, I also say, thank you universe for showing me what's possible. I can't wait till I'm a number one New York Times bestseller or whatever it is you're working towards. So it's a much different focus and it actually makes you feel a lot more peaceful and joy in the moment. I love that you say that. put the positive spin on that because social media so much is, you know, oh, you know, you're looking at these other people and it's all, you know, a negative thing watching these other people. And I've actually said that to my daughters before, like quit watching people do stuff, go do stuff, you know, (laughs) but there's so much positive as well. If you have that mindset Mm -hmm. that, oh my gosh, just look at this person. She's my age and she's doing this, or, you know, they just climb that mountain or whatever it is. Um, and, and honestly, when you do get that pang, that is a, a, is a red light. It's like, okay, why are you feeling that way? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, probably the first thing that you need to focus on instead of just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to. Yeah. I don't think we want, you know, as far as the biggest barrier keeping us from joy, like that comparison keeps us in this constant state of feeling like we're not good enough, we're not worthy, but that's not our essence, that's not the truth. And so if we're hanging out in this insecurity, that's definitely preventing us from asking, okay, well, what can I do to help me get to that? If I see someone traveling the world full-time or if I see someone who just rocked it at their family event or career, what is it I can do? And so I say the how is in the now. So right now, we're always like, well, how can I get there? And we don't know. So we give up. We, we stay in our self-doubt and, and blame. But instead say, well, what can I do right now? So look at that dream, whatever it is you're kind of comparing yourself to, and then say, well, what one step can I take right now? Maybe it's reaching out to that person. You never know, they could reach out back. Maybe it's going to research a book on a topic or calling a friend and sometimes just sharing, hey, I'm being triggered. I do that often with my best friend um, during the Joy Seeker process when I was writing about this part. I, I would talk to her and say, I'm being triggered and we'd hold space and we'd talk through it. And um, it's a beautiful part of your journey when you can connect with others as well, because it's very isolating. You feel very alone when you compare yourself, but then when you just out yourself, you realize how silly it is. And then as soon as I sometimes say that, I'm like, oh, it's past. Okay. Let's talk about you. How's your day? You know, whatever it may be. So. (laughs) Right. 
I want to go back to a part that you spoke about in the book and something that just kind of comes up for me is, you know, you talk about overgiving. And I think that's so, that really hit for me because I think our, our listeners um, typically were, you know, working women, a lot of moms, and you're just struggling and go, well, there's no time for me. There's no time, right? That I am taking care of all these people and these are priorities. I can't make myself a priority. And we give so much and we put ourselves, um, you know, on the bottom of the list. And how do you justify, how do you justify putting you first? Yeah, this is something I see so much. We have huge hearts. We want to be there for other, especially mothers. We're in, in the corporate world. Exactly what you said. We can't justify it. And it's a, it's a mindset switch. And so what we want to do is realize that it is 100%. It's important to feel good. And when you do show up for yourself, it's about self-love. It's not selfish at all. But when you do, you actually have so much more energy to help others because your cup is full. And so if anyone's struggling, who's listening or watching to feeling like I have so many demands, I want to write that book or I want to start working out again, but yeah, right. I can't because there's not enough time, money or energy. I talk about in the book, we actually, it's a mindset uh, perspective because if you really get honest with yourself, we always have enough time, money and energy for what's most important to us. You found a way to get that money for that family trip at one point or whatever it is. You found a way to start working out and lose that weight. What, think about the past in your life. But right now, it's actually just a signal that maybe yourself is not as important. And so what you want to do is say, well, why do I not feel like I'm as important? And then you can do it through journal questions. You can in the Joy Seeker book, I talk about processes. But really what it comes down to is, is knowing that you are the most important person on the planet. Because if you don't show up for you, everyone else around you is just getting a half version of you. And when you just try it out, I would anyone just try it out for the next seven to 14 days, two weeks, say, what is it I really want to do? What have I always want to do, but haven't given myself permission to do? And then say, well, what step can I take today? What one thing? And then start to show up for yourself in ways you haven't. And then watch how everyone else around you starts to show up as well. And honestly, you have so much more energy, mm-hmm. so much more, um, sometimes abundance, money comes flying in because you're not focusing so much on the lack. So it's actually... We have it backwards. We really do. And so the teaching is really about reconnecting with your true self, the one that knows she's worthy and amazing and awesome and deserves her own attention. Yeah, I, that's so true. I know that as a parent, I'm you know, writing checks out, oh, this camp, or you're going to do this, and you need this, or you're going to do this party. And then uh, you know, to say, oh, I'm going to go to have a massage. Right. Like in comparison, that's a very small investment in yourself, but to, to take a different perspective and taking care of your kids or your family or your pets is so important. And we think nothing of that, but putting that investment in ourselves is, is a really hard thing to get over. And it, it is kind of shocking, right? That you, it takes so much to invest in yourself that way. So much so, but I feel that we live in, in a world inside in culture that really pushes um, exhaustion to where it kind of as a badge, it pushes overworking over. And that's what I talk about is overgiving of your time, money, and energy 
because we want to help. We have big hearts. We want so much to make those around us feel better. But almost always, I did for, for decades, overgave past my capacity. And we have to look at overgiving as well because sometimes we're overgiving because we're trying to get that love back. If I give more, I did it in relationships for a while, I would overgive or I didn't have certain time, but I'd show up for friends even though I was exhausted and it caused like stomach pains and headaches, but I ignored my own body because we want so much to be loved. We want to be appreciated. We want to be the nice person. So what I recognized is that self-love truly is the foundation for, for all of this. Self-love is not selfish, but I started to see how much I loved my dog and my family. And I was like, why, why don't I try giving myself the same love that I've been giving to all of them? I spoiled my dog so much. Many of you probably spoil your kids, like same thing. And it's fun and it's joyful. So I said, I'm going to try and experiment. Treat self-love like an experiment. That's my last book, Self-Love Experiment. How can I spoil myself this week? Mm. Maybe it's that massage. Maybe it's that extra long nature work. Maybe it's turning your phone off. Um, so it's a kind of a fun, a fun way to bring it into your life, more love. I love that because I feel too, like it makes you feel important. Like you're making yourself feel important when you're letting yourself, when you're treating yourself to things. And that's something we, we don't do. We beat ourselves up a lot. We talk negative to ourselves so much, but making our own selves feel important by giving ourselves indulgences or treats or just time. Um, Yes. I love that. That's so and then it's like, it's a lot like working out when you first start and you haven't, it's uncomfortable. You're sore. You're like, people say this is good for me, but I don't like it. But the more you do it, the more, gosh, the better you feel just like the more consistent you are with your workouts. It's the same thing with our mental. We got to work our positive mindset. And you mentioned it too. A lot of times we feel guilty and that shame and that guilt I have found actually we judge our judgment. We, we feel shame because we feel shame. And so that actually causes even more of this sensation of I'm not good enough or I'm doing this life thing wrong or I'm off track. If we can just remove our self-criticism and just let the feelings be what they are, then we already are able to be um, closer to feeling happier and self-love. I love that. So I think that there also becomes a point when you when you are investing the time and you've decided you're going to invest the money or whatever it takes and maybe you're going to find some energy somewhere that's a tough one <laughs> because we're wearing a lot of hats how, how about trust how about trusting yourself because i know that i just even with heather and i and when we started this venture with the podcast you know we've had such great feedback and positivity but we still kind of second guess like there's a part inside that says, you know, but you know, who am I to think that I can do that? Who am I to think that I can run a marathon? Who am I to think that I can do a podcast? Who am I to think that I can, you know, take a girl's weekend, whatever it is, write a book. Yeah. What suggestions do you have when though, you know, when you're starting on that, that path and you started to, to keep going because there are those things that those challenges that happen that make you, oh, that's why, that's why I didn't do this. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel that that is another thing that all of us feel. It's human nature. And a lot of times when we're coming from a place where we're living for others and showing up so fully for others to all of a sudden show up for yourself, it will feel very foreign. It's like speaking another language to yourself. But where the radical trust comes in, it's about trusting yourself 
and the unknown. A lot of us have a fear of the unknown, and that's really what kind of prevents us from feeling that, that awesomeness. And, but even when I started my career, I first left corporate. I was like, who are you to write the books? Who, no one's going to want to read what you have to write. Thank goodness I didn't listen to that voice because, again, it comes back to courage. It comes back to touching and capturing your why are you doing it. And I got to a point where my why, whether you want to run that, you know, six, 10K, that marathon, write the book, have children, whatever, whatever the goal, get to the why. And so this is interesting because my why of traveling, I thought my biggest dream in the world last year was to travel. Like I was like, I'm going to go travel the world full time. That's the dream. But as soon as I got in, like about four months in, I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. I had a goal to start to see the world. I pulled out my bucket list and I checked off all of the cool monuments and the countries, the food you're supposed to eat, you know, like pizza in Italy, all that. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, by the way. <laughs> but I felt like it was superficial and I was missing the point and I had to regroup and say, well, what is it about travel that I really, really want? And what it represents is freedom. What it represented is truly the traveling we do is the traveling inside of ourselves. So I was looking ultimately for a deeper connection with myself. And so whether you want to run the marathon, think about why you want it. And once you tap into that why, everything changes. So at halfway through my journey, I said, what I'm really looking for with all of this is purpose. I want more purpose in my life. And that led me to actually travel with purpose, which led me to go to China to help rescue dogs from the meat trade. I worked with Golden Bond Rescue, which is an organization um, here in, in America, in Oregon. And I helped rescue dogs and I ended up adopting one. But the point to all this is I thought I wanted it, I didn't feel like I was worthy of it, but then I had the courage to go for it. And then I had to really, really realign with why are you doing it? And when you get to your why, you are unstoppable because you're, you're so connected to who you truly are and on, on a soul level. So that marathon, you're like, I'm ready for the next one. You're like, I'm ready for the, I'm going for it. And you become this, this force of love and other people are inspired by you as well because you're living your truth. I love that. And you hear so many times when people talk about finding your, like when you find your why and your passion, your purpose, that things will fall into place. And it sounds like for you, that kind of happened, right? Like things presented yeah. themselves, like how much of it did you have to pursue and go after and how much of it kind of fell into your, in your way, into your path. And you said, I think this is the right way. That is such an important distinction because yes, things fall into place, but it's not necessarily an overnight. It's not, I woke up the next morning and I knew what to do. It's almost like we learn the way on the way. So the more we're connecting to that inner voice that says, this feels good, this feels right, the more we will process on the right path that's for us. So it, for me, as far as the steps to go rescue the dogs in China, it honestly, looking back, it felt so natural, so mm-hmm. organic. So I didn't have to work at all. And that's really what happens when you're truly aligned because you're co-creating with the universe. Like the universe will show up, your higher self, your future self is giving you the, the kind of breadcrumbs to get you to where you truly want to be. Where do you think that these messages that we have inside us are coming from? I know that Heather and I, it has been so eye-opening week after week as we have guests on our podcast that it just resonates that we are not taking time for ourselves. We're not moving ourselves up to the top of the list. Where is that coming from? Is that something that 
is hap happening as children? Is it our society? Is it coming from the media? I, it's just, I'm, it, I'm, it's eye-opening, really. I, I absolutely think it's all of it. If you look at um, our parents did the best they could, but they have sometimes subtle clues of, of not showing up for them, of not taking care of them, um, or they overworked and they weren't ever home, or just look at the household that you grew up in. There may have been a lot of love, but there was um, that connection of self-care that wasn't um, really apparent. You know, I notice it too. I've written a lot of articles about it. I will go to women's event, networking events, people who are celebrated for charities they've started, ginormous, amazing things we're doing in the world. But while we're sitting there eating our little, you know, cookies and stuff at the table, people are like, oh, I have to work out extra hard tomorrow when I eat this cookie. And oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And it's, it's this constant self-doubt, blame, and shame about just being who we are. And that's really what my mission is to empower us to say, hold up, this is not working. And all of that, by the way, it starts out here and we internalize it and take it in here. So we are not born, we don't come out, pop out of our parents or out of our mom with this hate, with this shame, with this I can't stand myself. It's a learned behavior that we, we learn often at a very young age. And um, through my research, I've discovered it's usually between age three and five. We have these pivotal moments in our life. And I call them pivotal moments, but what it is is you do something that feels so natural for you. So for me, I used to love, I'm a very positive person, always have been. Mm -hmm. I grew up singing and dancing and I would sing on, you know, at recess very happily. Mm -hmm. Other students, and this was like at age nine, they said Shannon's way too happy. The song she's playing is annoying. So the teacher came to me, took my song away and punished me. And that at that moment, age nine, I, I realized you can't be who you are and be accepted. You can't be happy in this world because you seem to be the only one who's expressing that. And at age nine is when my eating disorder started. I would come home and I would overeat. And then in high school, it turned into not eating. So what happens is a situation outside of us usually makes our inner voice or our inner mind, we call it the split in psychology, you split from yourself and create a belief. I created a belief that in order to fit in, you have to not show who you really are. And that's not really us. So all the work that we're doing with Joy Seeker and all the work that you do as an adult, we realize something's missing. That something missing is that true connection to yourself. So it's about getting back to you, being unapologetic, because the world's going to keep whirling, right? Mm -hmm. We can't control them. But that true happiness you want, it's inside of you. I love that. I just finished reading um, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers, and she talked about that, like some of the, the negative experiences that we have, and you try to like close that off, but it's, it's part of you, and it was really more of a like protective you know, syndrome. Yeah. I know for me... Um, I've always, you know, I always categorize myself as I've always been a type A. I've always been, you know, really kind of the controlling firstborn, very typical firstborn um, personality type. And I used to think that I was holding myself to high standards, which was helping me be successful, helping me be independent. And that was a positive thing. I, I said that to myself. But now it's interesting. I've been faced recently, and I, I think I talked about this on a previous podcast, though, about how that criticism to myself is impacting others, meaning my kids, right? Like if my kids are hearing me be critical of myself or my home or even others' lack of work ethic, they hear me talk about maybe people I work with or, or you know, people I know or other moms or something. And how can my kids then not 
think that I would criticize them and they're, they're learning that piece. And so I had to rethink it because I thought, oh no, this was a positive. Um, this is part of what gets me going and being successful. But that, that self-criticism is just toxic and it's, it's not always a positive. So it's, well, I think you said it so beautifully because, uh, what it is, is for us is we have these, almost these beliefs that we create that protect us. So I'm going to be a perfectionist. I'm going to be type A. I'm going to be a workaholic. I'm going to be the good girl. I'm going to, whatever it is. And it serves us. It really does because you go through your life until it doesn't, until we get to a point where we recognize, wait a second, this is not happening um, for my highest good anymore. And so it's all part of the personal growth process. I think some people really hold on to their labels. That's another thing and another part of Joy Seeker. It's letting go of all of who we think we are. We are not our job title. We are not the characteristics that we use to describe ourselves. We're not even the role we are in our family. We cling so much to all of this but we are so much more than that. We are, we are this, you know, here to explore and have this beautiful life, but we're limiting ourselves by these labels. And so when you can free yourself from the labels, that's where the true freedom comes in. And I love that you said you can teach others just by being an example. Yeah, that's so true. And I think a lot, I know um, from my parents and myself as a parent, you have fear for your your kids. You really want the best for them and you also want to undo your mistakes and not have them face that. So they sometimes don't even understand where you're coming from and you're like, oh, you know, you got that great or you, you know, don't you know that's important? All of these things. And really what we need to be focused on with our family and our friends, we're having these conversations, are, are, they, are they on that path to being authentic? Yeah. And that's that really... Yeah, that's really what I, I thought about your book is it, it's, you know, you get these messages and this negativity that's happening. That's really a wake up call. That's mm -hmm. like, you're not on that path. And what do you need to do to pivot? Pivot. That's the key word, pivot. And um, I feel, I love that you're sharing that because I feel very fortunate uh, with my own family because my parents, I have a brother too. My mom and dad, they've been married 50 years next year. Wow, so right. it's super exciting for them. They're like high school sweethearts. Um, so my internal family structure was really loving, but I always ask them, you know, uh, what do you think the secret is as, as far as raising your kids? And it's just a fun dialogue we have. And they, and, and other parents will ask, you know, and they always say, we let you and your brother be who you are. And we let you explore who you are. And we also didn't step in when we knew you were making mistakes. And that's really hard for a lot of my other oh my parents' God. friends when they hear that. <laughs> and they're like, sometimes when you do do that, because I've dated some people that only now they tell me that we are so glad you're not with that person. <laughs> and so it's like, if we would have told you in high school that, you probably would have rebelled. And so it's almost on that. <laughs> totally, yeah. right? Like a little check note. Right. And so I love that because what it is, is it they allowed us to be authentic at a very young age. And that authenticity was not what they thought we should be. It's recognizing that we are our own beautiful beings. And as long as we know we're loved and protected and safe with our family, then we can actually flourish even more. So I think that's kind of the key is to let everyone be who they are. Um, including yourself like if we're so busy living for others that we take away the the kind of the importance of us yeah so i want to go back because i think what you had mentioned earlier about the labels getting rid of the labels that we have on ourselves um 
how do we do that? What are, what are your steps? What are your suggestions? Because that's tough. That's difficult. Those are labels for a lot of us we've had all of our lives that we've been told um, or that we associate with. And so what would, how do you help coach others to get rid of those labels? So the first thing is the labels are actually, they serve us. Like I said, for many years, I was, I was very clear with my personality and what I was, but what, so, so identify and first recognize, okay, they have helped me. They have been a, a good part of my process. But then what we want to do is look at what the labels, what we get from them. So if we're like you did, you, we just did it together. You said, okay, so type A, that's often part of the being the oldest child. What does that really represent? It represents that I like to be in control. It represents that I like to um, have a good understanding of my awareness uh, you know, around me. You dissect what it is, and then you look at, well, that's part of who I am as a person. That's what I value. That's what gives me joy. I enjoy having a sense of freedom. I enjoy knowing that I can get things done and I'm reliable. So it's about a step-by-step, step. but as far as truly releasing yourself from the labels, I truly believe the more deeper you get into your personal growth journey and the more you dive into your own spiritual journey, the easier it is because you realize more about the world, you realize more about your family structure and everything, and you realize it's not as important as you thought it was because the thing that's really important is, are we, are we being true to ourselves? Are we living uh, from an authentic place with integrity? Are we being honest with ourselves? Or are we making choices for others and falling into kind of what the world says we should do? When you make that switch, when you are in integrity with you and honest with you, then it really, it, it's, it's kind of like a blossoming. It's, it's like the rose petals will open up and, and those labels are freeing because you release them. I think that, that the challenge comes when the labels collide. I know for my own story, I have, have an amazing mom who was a very successful housewife, mother, amazing. My father was very successful in business. And I grew up and I wanted to be all that she was as a mother and I wanted to be as successful as my father. And I think you need to, I needed to define success because I wanted to do it all. And doing it all doesn't necessarily mean you have to put yourself in the corporate box or the stay at home mom box or, you know, you can redefine it. But how would you tell somebody like myself, you know, I've, I'm successful in business. I hopefully I'm a su successful mother. I have three great children to redefine that success. So you're not constantly falling short in every area. Uh, such a beautiful, beautiful question because in my own journey, I got to this place too, where I realized my definition of success was actually blocking me, blocking me from joy and fulfillment because I did the same thing. This is what I see other people, success is money, success is more followers, success is the number one accolade, whatever. We have these versions and there's a whole section in Joy Seeker, maybe you got there, where I say we have to redefine this success. And what that means is truly understanding on a soul level, really, what it is we truly, really want out of our life. And at the end of our life, having that money that you already, like for you, being a wonderful mother is success. But what is it about that? It's about you being an example of love unconditional love. It's about you being a supportive system for your family structure. So those are the key elements. And that's truly what success is versus looking at it, ticking off a box to, I have to be everything to everyone. 
true success for redefining it, if we're all going to do that, is really about knowing, um, honestly, the most it comes back to trust too. The most um, kind of deep rewarding part of success is instead of asking for, when we're talking about manifesting more money or give me that perfect, you know, situation. What if we just kind of trust and ask, help me know that I'm right where I need to be. Help me know that I'm doing the best I can. Help me know that I am fully an example of love for my family. Like that's a, that's a more freeing version of success because you're doing the best you can with, with who you truly are. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I'm interested too to know on just your own personal journey. Um, you mentioned it's been like two years since Tucker passed away and you, you traveled the world and you, you kind of had this new life change and you know, you've now are in this different place. And so have you been able to sustain it? Have you gotten a new dog? <laughs> <laughs> No, you are glowing. <laughs> I feel I truly that's the that's the outcome of the joy seeker process because I the biggest gift that um, all of that the grief and the joy seeker journey gave me is to be so fully present. I've learned how to let go of expectations before I was always I'd be sitting here talking to you and I'd be thinking about what all the things I'd have to do after and I don't do that anymore because I learned how to just love where I am and accept it fully and I actually embrace the unknown now, whereas I was really scared of it before. So yes, to me, it's so sustainable in the sense of you keep growing and growing and getting to the next level. So a big part of my joy now is to know that the thing I went chasing joy, I dedicated a whole year. I'm like, I'm going to be a joy seeker year of my life dedicated to joy. And the biggest thing I learned is joy is not outside of us. It's not something you chase. It's something you allow because it's already within you. And so now that all my choices are from a place of, does this feel aligned with who I am? Does this feel good? And of course it did. It led me to, to the rescue dogs. And I adopted one of them named Chance for second chance at life. <laughs> He's sleeping down here. I'll show you guys. I'll show, I got to show you. Oh, you're a good boy. <laughs> he's, a, he's such a sweetheart, but it's so great because he's a golden retriever as well. There, he's like really happy to be oh. here. <laughs> uh, it's pretty amazing though, because my joy before I was so dependent on Tucker and it's almost like a codependent. I needed him because he pulled me out of depression. My joy, I'll be hanging out with Chance, will be on a nature walk. I could have just as much joy doing that as I can be, you know, looking at the Eiffel Tower. So the joy is something I now bring with me. And that's really the process that the book kind of shares. I love that. I, um, so I, I think that when you start to walk this path that the, your relationships probably change a little bit. And one of the fears that I know that I had when I made some changes in my life is like, how my, how is my family going to be? And my husband has been really amazing in support of, of the different things that we're doing right now. Um, and even to like, I laugh and sometimes say like, I'm leaving and I know there's a ton of dishes in the sink. Ha ha ha. Where before I would feel like I had to do everything and everything had to be perfect before I could be allowed to go do what I want to do. So do you, do you find that relationships really can blossom when you start to seek joy? 
Such a beautiful question. And you know, it's interesting just to touch on, I think women, especially, we feel guilty and not to, you know, go back and forth or separate. But I, I see a lot of times men would leave dishes and they'd be okay. It's something we do to ourselves, right? So first, giving yourself permission to say it's totally okay if there's dirty clothes that need washing and I'm not getting to it today. That's number one, right? That's part of us being more in the moment and being it's okay. It's okay. So I had to just touch on that. But I do feel what's interesting, and I see this happen all the time with my life coaching clients. In my own life, it happened. And even the next level of it has just happened as I kind of access this deeper joy. When we start stepping onto a path of, of more alignment, more purpose, more passion, sometimes the people around us don't understand it. So sometimes it, it becomes scary because it's like all of a sudden you're happier and I don't know how to relate to that. But what's happening is a lot of times we're showing them, we're showing them what is possible. And that can be scary if people aren't ready to recognize it. So sometimes I see it, we do lose friends. We have to be okay with, and, and relationships change, not just friends. But what we really want to get to is a place of keep aligning to our true self because what really happens is the, the right people, the people who are on the same kind of path as you will show up more fully. And the people who really love you, who truly, truly get you and understand you, they show up more fully than you ever thought possible because now you're being more possible. So in the beginning, it can be very scary because we think we're going to lose, but we're actually losing people that weren't supposed to stay in our life long-term or we're losing the people who truly, truly um, don't love us for who we really are. And I could see that as you identify yourself that you're going to want, you know, you surround yourself and they, the, the saying of you are the average of the, you know, your five closest friends. And that as you start to change what you want around you is going to change and not that you, you know, close people off, but you want people that are going to make you feel good and empower you and motivate you um, and that you aspire. And I think that, you know, I can see that changing as well. It's so true. And in the book, I have a story where I share when I first got onto this journey, I got really excited and I read, like I opened up to new self-help books and I have a lot of friends, like four friends from high school that I love. We still stay in touch. And I remember for Christmas, I gave them the book and they looked at the book and they were like, so confused. They looked at me like I had like alien tentacles coming out. And that's when I realized just because I'm on a spiritual self-help personal development path doesn't mean the people closest to me are there. Yes. They can still love me. Like here I am 10 years into my career and I'm getting ready to go hang out with them again tonight. They love me for me because they're happy. I'm happy. They don't have to read my books. They don't have to even show up to my workshops. Some of them do, but some of them don't. And I don't need them to, in the beginning, it really, it hurt me because I was like, they don't support me. But they're not there. I had to support myself. And that's what we have to do is allow ourselves to show up for ourselves, let other people be who they are. But here's the most beautiful part of that. By releasing them on needing my friends or family to support me in the way that I thought they should, by letting them just be who they are and loving them, yeah. I could then attract the right people who are so supportive and so, so on the same path. And so you can't Really, your true tribe can't show up until you truly show up. And so now I have this very rich, diverse group of friends, both those who are on the path that I am and then the other ones who just love me for me. That's what you really want to vibrate and get to because we don't have to change our friends. If we're growing, 
keep growing. Don't, mm-hmm. don't stunt yourself because the people around you aren't ready to. Right. You really have to remember not that the reason that you're doing what you're doing isn't so your friends can give you accolades, right? Exactly. I know Heather and I talk about sometimes some people in our family may not be listening to our podcast. We're like, oh my gosh, you know, you would have thought that person, but you know, that isn't the purpose and they're either not in a place to do it or they're not interested in whatever subject, whatever. There could be any, many reasons, but really not to, you know, not to let that distract what you're doing. And you even said in your book too, it's like, if everybody did the same things and like the same things, life is going to be pretty darn boring. You know, it's, it's people who have different interests. And I was just kind of thinking of you with your girlfriends, like just to give them the cliff note, right. And then somebody else who might have a different interest gives you their little cliff notes that you take away and you take a little something away. Whereas if everyone just liked the same things, there's not much to learn from one another. It's so true. I do think that the contrast, like you said, it's about learning from each other and you, you, you nailed it. I remember though I did, I took it so personally in the beginning. I, I'd be like, ah, oh, they didn't even open up my newsletter or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm so in a different place now and I'm thankful for that because what it really comes back down to is you and your own joy. If it brings you joy, honestly, the best form as we're talking about success, the highest form of success is truly the best barometer is, is joy. Does it bring me joy? If, if this brings you joy, keep doing it no matter what it is. And that is the ultimate success of your life. Awesome. That is so good. So Shannon, I know your book is coming out and I think October 29th, is that right? Yeah. So could you tell our listeners, tell our listeners where they can get your book and where they can find you um, on all of your platforms? Yes. So Joy Seeker is going to be out in bookstores all over. You can order it in Amazon, of course, or any online retailer, even retailers in other countries. It'll be shipping there. Super excited. It's audio book version, ebook and paperback right now. And then of course, my website is playwiththeworld.com and I'm giving away different resources for the book if you pre-order or um, also free meditations. So that's always exciting. And then my social media Facebook and Instagram is Shannon Kaiser writes and I'm always daily posting positive content to help uplift us all and make us connect uh, to, to what matters most. And you have super fun stories on your Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> and Shannon, a question that we always ask all of our guests is what does it mean to you to be brave? So brave to me is authentic living. Mm. It's definitely important to be who you really are instead of who you think you should be. And that takes courage, but it is the most freeing thing you can ever do for yourself. Because when you do, you're uplifting yourself, but you're helping to uplift the world. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Shannon. This was such a great pleasure to be able to talk with you. And thank you for your book to the world. That is a great gift. And We are so excited to uh, have our listeners find your book and read it. Thank you. It's been great being here with you. Awesome. Thank Thank you you. so much. Bye-bye.